Evening.O podcast in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Odd Out podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, the just can't catch a break, Adam Higgins, the Odd Dad Out. You can find me at odddadoutpodcast.com and at odddadout in all the social media places. And this is a show where I ramble and rant about whatever the hell's going on in my life and whatever is in my head and tell you about weird shit in the news. And today, I've actually got a movie review for you because why the fuck not? <laughs> okay, I don't have news for you because nothing was in the news was all that interesting. The, the only thing I had was a guy who asked to go back to jail instead of being on house arrest because he couldn't stand living with his wife anymore. But I felt like I was probably going to get some hate mail from that. So I just let it go. Oh, you got the gist of it. Anyway, so you know how in the last episode I talked about how Charlie went to the hospital, you know, broke his arm, that whole thing. Well, you know, wasn't two days later, I find myself out of work again for another hospital visit, not for one of the boys, this time for one of the dogs. <sighs> Come Friday, and mind you, I didn't go back to work until Thursday last week. I worked on Thursday. Friday after school, I'm back in the ER, or the, the emergency vet as it is, with my wife's dog, Jasper. But to get to that point, let's, let's rewind a little bit, go back to the beginning of the week. So, beginning of the week, pretty much when I come back from the hospital with Charlie, my wife is telling me, and I, I'm pretty sure she actually told me before while we were still there, saying that something looked like it was up with Jasper's eye. He was kind of uh, tearing up and kind of oozing and thought that maybe uh, one of the cats had scratched him or he'd gotten something in it or dirt or any number of things. He's fond of rolling around in the grass in the backyard. So we figured, oh, maybe he's got some grass in his eye or, a, you know, maybe a random mesquite branch still in the grass because I haven't mowed since the last time I ground up mesquite branches. So maybe there was like a mesquite thorn or something, something, you know, we thought maybe something scratched his eye, whatever. Lots of options. And, you know, he was kind of squinty and tearing up and or, or maybe just allergies. We're like, oh, OK, maybe he's got allergies again. He rolls around in the grass a lot, so we figured by now if he had allergies, we would have noticed, but you never know. Anyway, this is going on pretty much all week, but we're kind of like, okay, well, it's just like whatever. It's just kind of tearing up and oozing, but, you know, it's not too much else. And we had resigned ourselves like, okay, if this doesn't clear up by Monday, we'll call the vet and have them take a look at it. because. Hey, this has been going on most of the week. 
get to Friday. Friday, pretty much the same thing. It was a little, he, he was squinting a little more on that one eye. But that was about it. Come to after school, I get home with the boys. And probably two minutes after walking in the door, one of the boys looks at Jasper and like, what's wrong with his eye? And we're sitting here thinking, oh, it's just, it's all teared up. No, it looks like his eye is rolled back in his head. And our, we're going to wait until Monday turns into scrambling, calling the vets now. Like, can we get him in today or first thing in the morning? What can we do? This looks bad. Holy shit. What is this? Now, I'll say, looks like his eye was rolled back in his head. And I say that strictly because now we know better. But at first appearance, it just looks like his eye has gone white and it's all rolled back in his head. And we're like, shit, what's going on? Is he what? what's happening with his eye? This is so much worse than it was literally an hour ago. Like it didn't look like this when I left to go get the boys and now it does. So called a vet, his regular, there's like two, we have two different vets nearby. It's like we have the one that we usually, that we prefer to take him to and the one where he goes to get his shots because it's a good deal. <laughs> so we call both of them. We're like, Hey, can you, when can you get us in? The, the good vet <laughs> can't get him until Monday. They're not open on weekends. It's four o'clock on a Friday. They don't have any more room for the day. We're like, we can get him in first thing Monday morning. Like, shit, that's too long. So we call the other one. They're open seven days. We're like, we can get him in at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. But if he's got a problem with his eye, you probably want to get that looked at immediately. So we call around to some of the emergency. There's like a 24 hour couple of them. There are a couple of 24-hour veterinary emergency rooms, basically. So we start making calls, and basically it doesn't matter. It's going to be like four to five hours from whenever they get him checked in. They're like, if his vitals are stable, you're looking at anywhere from three to five hours before we'll, he'll be seen, just depending on any severe patients, what else comes in the door, you know, because a dog that just got hit by a car is going to get first priority over the dog who's got a squeaky eye. But, you know, it is what it is. So not knowing what the situation is, again, we're looking at this like something's wrong. His eye just rolled back. What's going on? And I've seen enough videos of things like fly larvae getting into a fucking dog's eye or nose or whatever that I'm like, shit, did is there something in his eye that's causing this? Whatever. So anyway, scramble, rush him over to one of our local 24-hour uh, emergency vets. And I will say we're probably never going back to this clinic again. I, I didn't get the, a, a good vibe about them when I pulled up. They're not in a particularly nice neighborhood and for, eh, we just didn't get a good vibe from them. And to a certain degree, I kind of have a feeling like stuff was aggravated while he was there that wasn't related to his problem. But that's just kind of us looking at things. Anyway, 
we get him in there and they tell us, okay, he's, his vitals are stable, you know, heart's good, he's not, you know, bleeding or anything. So, you know, he's basically lowest priority, which sucks. But, you know, they, they look at him and ultimately they're like, okay, it's not, his eye isn't rolling back in his head. It is his lower third eyelid. You know, how dogs have, you know, upper eyelid and lower eyelid like a normal person, like a person does. But they also have kind of like a alligator or whatever, or, or you know, seafaring or, or whatever uh, critters that have that third eyelid inside. It's not like transparent, like beavers and alligators and shit, but they have another eyelid that's on the inside as well. And sometimes something can get infected or something can aggravate it and, or it could dry out, whatever. And so that little internal third eyelid can stick or creep up or whatever. Like they'll try and blink and it'll stick or whatever. And it'll look like, because it's kind of white gray, it'll look like their eyes rolled back in their head. But they were like, but if you pulled, you know, if you actually get in there and kind of pull that eyelid down, you can see that the eye is in fact facing forward. It's just, you know, this eyelid problem is, you know, just it's stuck, whatever. But they couldn't see any dirt or a thorn or grass or anything in there that could have necessarily caused it, you know, usually, oh, you got dirt in your eye. Kind of like if you get a sty or you've got dirt in your eye and your eyes all twitchy, whatever, like a normal thing, but they couldn't see anything. So they, you know, they did some special treatments and they give them these drops that are supposed to make any sort of foreign contaminant visible so they can try and flush it out. Couldn't find anything. As far as they could see, there was nothing in his eye causing it to do this. So they kind of went to a trauma theory of, you know, because like I said, maybe he got poked or scratched or whatever, got hit by, you know, fighting with one of the cats or something, which he's very unlikely to do. But we have three cats. It totally is something that could happen. So we kind of lean into the, okay, maybe there's some sort of a trauma. Something happened to him. He got hit in the eyes. Something caused a a damage to his eye to cause his eyelid to dry out and stick and whatever. Ultimately, they're like, there's probably a light infection. So we're going to give you some antibiotic drops and some artificial tears. And they're like, okay, put the, you know, put this in his eye, this often put these on his eye, this often do this and this and this and make a, a follow-up appointment with your regular vet in about three or four days. Okay. Seems reasonable. <sighs> Here's where I get into why we started questioning this vet. Eh? So, we don't get him home until probably close to 9 o'clock that night. Um, I, I go pick him up, and they're like, oh, he's, you know, he's a little groggy, but he's okay, he's doing okay. And I get him, and them having, you know, done their tests and stuff, his eye looked bad. It honestly, it looked so much worse and he was limping and we're like, why is, and I'm not even thinking about it. We're like, I'm under the impression that, okay, they had to give him some, some pain stuff and he, maybe he's a little groggy from 
medication they gave him. So he's kind of stumbling a bit. He's, he's slightly discombobulated. I mean, his eye looks like shit, but you know, oh, they gave him some drops and they gave him some different stuff. So it's probably just the medication I'm giving for all intents and purposes. I'm giving them way too much credit here. I'm assuming they've treated him and the treatment just kind of much like Charlie being doped up on ketamine or and, and, and making weird statements and, and that sort of stuff and being sedated or whatever. I'm assuming they gave him some pain stuff that is making him a little drowsy and he's stumbling a little bit and, and that sort of stuff. And he's slobbering because he's half sedated, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming all this, which I'm going to say right now, not fair to assume anything when it comes to anything medical, whether it's a human doctor or an animal doctor. Don't assume shit. Ask, get things confirmed. In many cases, get it confirmed on paper. It's just easier to track that way. Helps your memory. Nevertheless, get him home. Look at him when we're home and realize he's like slobbering a lot. And again, I'm under this assumption that he was just medicated and that's why he's slobbering and stuff like that. And, you know, as soon as we get home, he goes towards his water bowl, but doesn't drink. He like stares at it like, I want to get a drink, but I don't want to get a drink. And again, he's slobbering a lot. And I go to grab a paper towel to see that, like, just to clean him up because he's slobbering so much and realize that he's bleeding from his mouth. And we look at his discharge paperwork and it says, oh, they did an oral exam. I don't know why they would do an oral exam because they're checking his eye, but whatever. And okay, maybe they just kind of mess with something and they knock something. Maybe he bit down on something or whatever. Um, not sure, but definitely concerned. We're like, why is he like drooling and bleeding from his mouth? But it stopped for the most part. So we're like, okay, well, maybe it's like, Maybe he chomped down and bit his tongue or he, something like that. I don't know. Again, assuming. Did a lot of assuming and his assuming kind of bit us in the ass. But we're like, okay, but it stopped. But he's groggy. Eh, I don't know. But give him his eye drops and all his stuff and everything. But we notice he's not eating. And we're like, he's been there. All evening. Normally he'd be pestering us for dinner by now. He's not eating. Huh. Which is peculiar. But we're like, oh, well, he just had a traumatic thing going to a different vet than he's used to. And all this stuff with his eye. He maybe just doesn't feel like it. Maybe he'll he'll eat overnight. He'll we'll go to bed and he'll go eat something and you know it'll all be gone in the morning. It won't be a big deal. So get up in the morning and at this point because Charlie's on his pain meds and I've got an alarm for him I'm like you know what? I'm going to put Jasper on the same basic medication schedule as we have Charlie because then I can go give Charlie his meds and I can give Jasper his meds it'll just be easier to do and keep schedules for things so get up and look at Jasper and his eye looks completely glazed over like you can't see the damn thing. I mean, you, you can tell at this point. It is third eyelid, 
all the way up. Cannot see his eye at all. And the entire side of his face is completely swollen. He looks like you, like a boxer, like, you know, professional boxer, not the dog. He looks like a boxer just slugged him in the face. You know, his eye is all messed up. His whole face is swollen. He's drooling. And he does not want to get up for shit. He does not want to move. We're having to coax him, try and drag him to get up. He is not having it. And Mystic, being hyper puppy that she is, not thinking he's in pain, goes over and she's bouncing around and just fucking dogzillas and slams into him and just kind of bumps into his face. And he lets out a pain yelp like you've never heard. And he is really one of those dogs that does not express pain. We have no clue. We we suspect he has major arthritis because of kind of how he's starting to walk and things like that. But he doesn't express pain. He doesn't act like he's in pain. He just kind of waddles. He's also fat. So you know, it's it's hard to tell. But he let out a yelp that was a hundred percent. A, a pain scream that he never would make any other time. At which point, Mystic gets whisked out of the room and we start getting on the phone to call the vets again. Like, hey, can we get him in? Something's on. We took him over here last night, but then this happened and now he's like this. And basically, the other vet said, they are the ones that you took him to. They, you are now having an issue directly after seeing them. They're responsible for making right. So call them. I'm, and my wife is like, hey, I'm going to call them and, and talk to them. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going to take him over there right now because it doesn't matter if you call him or not. We're taking him over there. I'm taking him back. If we have to take him back for this to get resolved, whatever, then I'm taking him back. So nine o'clock in the morning, I am now rushing to get dressed. Mind you, I have to work that day. I have to work that day. Friday night, I called off because I had to scramble and get him over there. And the time I was there was time when I would have been at work. And I just had to call off. And for the most part, my my work night had changed to where it was pretty much an easy night I could call off. So very next morning, it's Saturday. There's no help Saturday. If I call off the work that needs to be done, it has to all get rescheduled. Nobody is going to work. Nobody will come in and cover for me if I call off on Saturday. So nine o'clock, I am dry. I'm loading him up and taking him back to the 24 hour emergency vet saying I was here last night for his eye. We get up this morning. His eye looks a million times worse and his whole face is swollen and he's in physical, he's in visible pain. And he can, he's lethargic. He's barely wants to get up or move. He's again, visibly in a lot of pain. So they check him over again. They admit him, you know, they bring him back in again and tell me it's going to be about four or five hours. It's a Saturday. I'm like, fucking hell. You guys fucked up my dog last night. I'm back here to get him, 
taken care of again, and now it's going to take even longer than it did yesterday. What the fuck? You guys fucked up my dog. I want it made right now. I want to know what is wrong with my dog now, because he was not this bad when you released him to me last night. He was not this bad when I brought him in. He was worse when I took him out, and he's even worse now. So either you missed something or you guys hurt my dog. Either way, you're going to make it right. And they're already annoyed the fuck out of me, but I wasn't in a position to say shit because I needed them to look at my dog. They're already like, okay, well, a recheck fee is this. It's not as much as a full. Like, why the fuck am I paying you to look at him again when you didn't look at him right the first time? You should be just like, oh, you were just here last night. It has been barely 12 hours since you were here last we're not going to charge you another fee for coming in because obviously we didn't check and find the problem the first time. You know, I only paid $300 last night for you to look at him. And now you're going to charge me again to look at him 12 hours later. The fuck? Again, we're not going back to this place ever. But and I'm not going to name them because I'd just be fucking rude. But if you're in the Phoenix area and you are familiar with the 24-hour veterinary places, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Nevertheless, I am kind of at no choice. I'm like, okay, well, I'll leave him here. They'll get back to me. I go to work. At that point, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to get to work early get my work done as fast as I can so that I can go and get him. And I'm looking at my schedule. I'm like, okay, I've got next to nothing. It's going to be an easy day. Knock this all out. Unfortunately for me, one of the jobs I thought I had that was going to be super easy. Again, I work in commercial flooring. I clean carpet for a living. We also clean tile. Unfortunately, a building where I normally just go in and clean two little hallways, and I clean the leather sofas in the lobby, which literally takes me about an hour and a half to do, happened to be the once or twice a year where I cleaned the lobby stone as well. Didn't know I was doing that. And it only takes like two hours to do. It's not a big deal. But when I'm actually on a day where I'm not necessarily concerned with getting my hours. I'm more concerned with getting my day over with and getting home so I can go pick up my dog, making sure I'm there for him as soon as he's ready. A couple more hours is not uh, ideal for me. Nevertheless, I get on with my day. I'm just busting ass all day, just trying to get through everything as fast as I can so that, you know, I... I have, I get my work done so I can get back to him. Again, I know he's there, but it's still a matter of when he's ready, I want to be ready. So it's about one o'clock. I start getting calls from the doctors and they're telling me it looks like there's an infection. It, we want to run some blood work because it could be, you know, any number of things. They start asking, oh, well, there's a, is there a chance he was, bitten by like a spider or a snake and I kept going to snake bite and I'm like 
No, definitely not. And granted, we live in Arizona. So a snake bite is not an uncommon thing, but we live in the suburbs. I don't live out in the desert. We're, we're in like, you know, city suburb life. You know, I live in a manufactured, not manufactured home, but like a manufactured community, you know, with a big snooty HOA and a clubhouse and all that sort of shit. I don't live in open desert. And there's plenty of open desert communities and people who live in the trailer parks out in the boonies who basically live in a trailer in the middle of the desert who absolutely would have rattlesnakes in their yard. That's not where we live. And they keep telling, they keep asking about, oh, could he have been a snake bite? Could he been, could there have been a rattlesnake? Oh, we're going to test for a snake bite on the blood test. Mm -hmm. He wasn't bit by a snake. If he was bit by a snake, Mystic would have gone nuts on whatever. If they saw a snake in the yard, they would have gone nuts because they don't encounter them. They're city dogs. <laughs> Camping trips aside, they're city dogs. So either way, they're like, we're going to do some blood work and we think it could be, if not a snake bite. And again, the doctor is like, okay, well, if you're sure about it, we're not going to go chasing that down, but it is just something that's in the blood panel. Okay, whatever. As long as I'm not paying extra for you to look for a snake bite that he doesn't have. Nevertheless, they're like, we'll, we'll run blood to see because it could be an infection. It could be a bad tooth. It could be a scorpion. It could be any sort of, you know, animal bite or sting or something. It could be a cancer. It could be a million different things. And so they run the blood test to see what's what with what to try and narrow it down. And he's like, no, most likely it is probably an infection in a tooth or an abscess that is swelling or it swole up and is the fluid building up in his cheeks and his face that is also putting pressure on his eye, which is causing the initial eye symptoms. It was like, so it, it could all just be one thing. And it's like, and, but if the blood test comes back and that's what it looks like, then the next step would either be start giving him just antibiotics to clear it up over a while, which usually works pretty well. And he's like, yeah, it, it should work fine if we just give him some antibiotics. Or we go in, we sedate him, we look for that fluid sack from the, look for an abscess, look for a fluid sack, drain that fluid to get that pressure off. and then still give him the antibiotics and everything to kill that infection and get that all resolved. And at this point, we're like, okay, either way, he's getting antibiotics. But if we don't take care of this swelling issue, if they can go in and find that and reduce the swelling and get it drained, then even if, it's going to just be antibiotics to kill the infection. This way, less pain now. R eliminate the pain issue. Deal with the infection as we go, but let's eliminate the pain issue. So, okay, fine. Go ahead and give him the okay. Sedate him. Go in. Find the thing. They go in. They find the thing. They find the, the fluid sac, the abscess. They drain it. They take care of that. They, you know, they're giving him IV fluids. They're doing all the stuff. They got him on pain medication. 
eventually I'm out of work. I go pick him up. And other than being pretty groggy and obviously still kind of in some pain from the entire ordeal, and they actually called me and said he was getting really antsy because unfortunately I wasn't able to get there till after six o'clock because work and distance from work to get him. I've mentioned in the past, our dogs have anxiety. We have two dogs because they basically keep each other company to avoid their separation anxiety. Left alone, they both get very destructive because they they can't be left alone. They have to have company. That's why we have two dogs. But without me there, without anybody else there in a strange doctor's office that, to, as far as his experience goes, has just been poking and prodding and stabbing and, and messing with him and not pleasant. These are not the happy vets he's used to working with. He's not happy being there and his anxiety is building up and they call me and say, hey, he's getting really antsy. Do you know when you're going to be here? And I'm like, at that point, I'm like 30 minutes away. I'm about, okay, hey, I'm, I'm going to get there soon, but I just need to, you know, I'm on my way now. But nevertheless, I go get him $900 later. They've got him patched up. He's okay. They bring him out. This time I'm do I do a much more thorough check of him and how he's doing when he comes out compared to the night before because well if I'd have done a little bit better look I we probably wouldn't have brought him home the night before. But his swelling's gone way down. His eye is actually cleared up. He is limping a bit, but they'd also had to give him uh, an IV in his leg. And so he's got a bandage on his leg and where they'd shaved him so they could give him an IV. I'm like, yeah, I bet his leg's bruised as fuck. I'd be limping too. So, and again, assuming, but it's a fair assumption. He's got a bandage on his leg. It makes sense that he's limping on that leg. So get him home. He now has pain meds and antibiotics every 12 hours, plus his eye drop antibiotics because they still want us to treat the eye issue, even though for the most part, the other, the, the abscess issue and the fluid, all that, and that infection is essentially what caused the eye problem. Especially after a few days, we've seen that almost go away. His eye pretty much at this point looks fine. And I kind of feel like it's a little redundant giving him an oral antibiotic for the infection in his tooth and antibiotics in his eyes when the problem with his eyes was from the infection in his tooth but it's eye drops i'm not you know i'm not going to fuss over it other than i'm just going to give him his meds until done either way they also said hey we don't do extractions here like that so you need to get with his vet and get that tooth issue taken care of so Coming up in another week or so, I'll be taking him to his regular vet to get that bad, rotten, no good piece of shit tooth pulled out and that whole thing resolved. But in the meantime, he's doing a lot better. He, uh, we, we were doing a lot of before and after and progression pictures of 
well, here's what he looked like before he went in. Here's what he looked like when he came back that night. Here's what he looked like the next morning. Here's what he looked like when he came back that next night. And here's how he looks, you know, just all of that. And just kind of really monitoring his progress through all of this. Because especially those first few days coming home, he was still in a lot of pain. He couldn't eat because of his busted tooth. So I had to get him some, some soft food and I'm, you know, I'm having to feed them on a very strict schedule to keep his medication timing because his medication has to be taken with food. But he's doing a lot better. First day, we had to really drag him to get up. You know, he didn't want to get up in the morning and they told us his pain meds were going to leave him really groggy and kind of sedated and really, like, okay, maybe it's just the pills. He basically slept all day. His next day, that Sunday, he just laid down and stayed there. He didn't move. You know, we had to really like, hey, buddy, you need to get some water. Let's get you some water. Let's go outside and pee. He'd go outside and flop in the grass. And it was, you have to drag him to like, hey, come on, buddy. Really just build him up to get him to go out and come back inside. And then he would just flop down in front of the couch. And he, he had the laziest damn Sunday. But again, after everything he'd gone through Friday and Saturday, couldn't blame him. But, you know, a couple of days of meds later, he's doing a lot better. Again, his eye is all pretty much cleared up. That issue is resolved. He is moving. He's not really limping so much anymore. He's the first couple of days. He was like, again, it went from he don't want to move. We got to really get him to. He's not moving much, but he gets up and gets some water. He goes over and gets, you know, he's moving between his different locations in the house because he tends to rotate between the boys' room and our room and the living room and just kind of where do I want to sleep at this time of day? And he started, you know, going over to the door saying he wants to go out again versus just laying there and dealing with it all day. And we have to really tell him to go outside. And now he's pretty much back to normal. He doesn't move particularly quickly anyway, but he is still on sedative pain meds, so I'm not expecting him to run anywhere. But for the most part, he's somewhat back to normal again. I'm still keeping him on soft foods because, again, he's got a bad tooth, and we're pretty much, you know, we accept the, that as the explanation for everything when they're like, hey, we found it. This is the thing. He had this, this, and this. That bad tooth and that abscess explains the, the bleeding from his mouth the night before. It explains the swollen face. All of the symptoms, all of the things that we had that were problems are explained by the abscess. The biggest problem we have, though, is it was essentially aggravated by them diagnosing his eye and doing the examinations to figure out the eye problem. And they didn't spot that as part of their examination for his eye. They didn't notice, oh, his face is swollen. Because by the time I got him home, it was starting to swell. They didn't notice, oh, his face is sensitive. Oh, he's bleeding from his mouth. They didn't, they, they noticed that he has sort of a saddle back. And his doctors have kind of attributed that to old age, being overweight and possible arthritis, which at this point, we're pretty sure he's just got full-blown arthritis. But they didn't catch it. They didn't look at, oh, he's got swelling to one side of his face. Maybe we need to look at this. 
No, they were like, oh, they said eyeball. Look at the eyeball. Ignore the other symptoms. Let's just look at his eye. Give him some eye drops. Get the fuck out of here. That'll be 350. So really kind of miffed with that particular clinic. But as at least as of right now, he's doing a lot better. So we're happy about that. And he's got his appointment to get his teeth looked at so that they can fix the problem. So that won't be an issue for him anymore. And again, he's doing really, he's doing better and he's, he's in much better spirits now. And so we're happy. He's doing better. Everybody's better. I'm back to work. Ah, I don't want to go to any more doctor's office. I don't even care if it's the vet. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want any more emergency room visits. Ah. Okay, enough about that. We need to change gears here. Recommended listening. Okay, it's not a recommended listening. It's a movie review, but I've only got one sound drop and I didn't want to record another one. Did you know there was a new Paranormal Activity movie? Because cause I didn't. I found this out like Friday, scrolling Twitter, and happened to see a commercial or a, a, a tweet ad for Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, which is apparently a Paramount Plus exclusive, which if you know anything about streaming services and the quality of their original programming, the hierarchy of streaming services does dictate the quality of the programming from the creators. Let's just all admit this. Netflix original movies are better than Hulu original movies, which are better than Paramount original movies. Or most of the, which are better than Shudder original movies. Let's let's be honest here. Shudder is great for indie horror and stuff like that, but realistically, they're not up to quality standards and budget standards of something coming out of Netflix Studios. Just going to say it. Hulu and Paramount Plus and whoever the fuck else plus are not going to be making original programming and original movies to the same quality as Netflix. Which is funny considering Paramount is a major movie studio with their own streaming service, but their original films kind of fall. They're not as good. If you, if, and I'm just going to, so if do you have Paramount Plus? If you have Paramount Plus, what do you watch on it? Probably old school Nickelodeon and old school MTV. There is next to no reason to watch any of the new stuff, really. I think the new they have that new Legends of the Hidden Temple that's adults that's on there, and they have that Rugrats reboot that was blasphemous. And a few other things of that sort. But for the most part, you're watching the retro stuff. That's why you have Paramount+. Plus. That's why everybody has Paramount+. Plus. Again, rewind. Major movie studio running the streaming platform. They have their original straight-to-streaming platform new sequel to the Paranormal Activity franchise that the creators of Paranormal Activity said no we're done with the series. We saw the, the writing on the wall. We're done. And then they're like, oh no, let's make one just for streaming. And it has about that level of enthusiasm about it. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not a fan of this film. And I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil the, the plot or the movie or anything other than to say I'm disappointed. 
So paranormal activity next of kin follows in the vein of the other movies. They're going with the found footage documentary style thing. In this particular case, you have Margot, who is adopted, who did like an ancestry 23andMe type thing and connected with another living relative, this guy named Samuel. And it turns out that Samuel is Amish. And so she gets with her friend, who I guess is an independent filmmaker, and they decide they're going to make a film documenting her learning about her birth family and trying to find out more about her mom and her family and maybe meet some of this family that she apparently comes from. And maybe Samuel, who had kind of not been living on in the family farm for a while, and him reconnecting with the family, all this stuff, whatever. But they're they're doing the whole, oh, I'm gonna reconnect with my my birth family after finding out I was adopted. And that's the their whole shtick. So that is the found footage, you know, a plot device, basically. I'm just gonna say this right now. It's like they forgot they were supposed to be doing that. Because if you've watched any of the paranormal activity movies, every single camera shot can be explained by the filming method, whether it's done in security cameras or the guy is documenting everything. Like in the first movie, it's, oh, they're filming on their phones or he's got this handy cam and he's just, you know, he's a guy making videos about weird shit or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, we saw some whatever shit. Um, there were noises. So I put up security cameras or whatever, you know, all there's, there is a, a, plot explanation however thin it may be there's a plot explanation for the cameras and they stick to that they are always very you know every shot is from an established camera that is set up as part of that plot in this movie half the time shots don't make sense there's there's camera shots that just are like there, there's a lot of, which is a, a criticism of found footage in general, of why are you filming this? There's a lot of them having conversations where the filming of it, it is literally like the camera sitting over in the corner and like the, you wouldn't be filming this. And it'll be one of them holding like a, a handheld camera while the entire scene is being shot from another camera sitting on a table in the corner of the room for no reason, because they're basically just having a conversation and it's not something that would is relevant to be filmed. And so it just doesn't work. And they, they, they're really bad about keeping on the documentary found footage kind of thing. And the fact that it's being shot as, Oh, we're filming a documentary means we can have the higher production value cameras. We're not going to make this look like it's shot on a Super 8 or on an old VHS or on security footage. It's going to look like a Hollywood movie because, oh, we're trying to make a documentary. So the whole thing looks entirely too polished for the Paranormal Activity franchise. Kind of the charm of those movies, and especially being a found footage film series, is things don't look clean 
things are kind of sloppy because they're security cameras. They're, you know, guy bought a camera so he can film, you know, he set it up and film shit in his house. You know, it's old family uh, home movies, all that sort of shit. That is the basis. This is entirely too polished, flat out. And when I showed the trailer to my brother, he's like, yeah, this looks too Hollywood. Mm. So I'm not going to spoil the story. I mean, you know, there's the plot. Shenanigans occur. It's a paranormal activity movie, right? You know, weird shit starts happening. Creepy stuff. It's all on camera. Things progress through the course of the movie. Get to the third act where, you know, shit starts really happening. And in every other paranormal activity, this is the point of the movie where the lead female gets possessed. (laughs) Whether it was Katie or Christy or Kid Katie or Christy or whatever, or the I forget the name of the kid, or in the the marked ones, the the Latino spin-off movie, which honestly was just it was a good paranormal activity five. They really should just renumber them because it was a perfectly good sequel. It fit in the lore. But in the movies, around the third act, main person is now possessed. And now it's the part of their significant other, or in the case of like the marked ones, it was his best friend who was the one filming his progression and everything to try and rescue them from their possession and and solve the problems of the things that are happening. And so you expect that to happen. That doesn't happen here. In this movie, there's just straight up a legitimate monster. There is a, like, in every other paranormal activity movie, it's ghosts, demons, whatever, supernatural, paranormal shit going on the entire time. In this movie, no, there is a physical, corporeal monster that not only completely just fucks off all the rest of the lore in the entire series, but you see this thing clear as a bell, fully lit, and it looks like shit. This is, it's, it, it just, it's garbage. The creature in this, part of the charm of this entire series, you didn't see shit until the last movie, and even when you finally did see something, it was basically a cloud. You didn't actually see shit of what the thing was. And it's established in the entire series. It's one fucking thing. There's one demon, ghost, spirit, whatever the fuck it is, the entire time that has been following this, these girls and this family and all the shit, the entire series, with exception to the kid and the marked ones, but that's a whole other thing. And even that tied back into the original film. This has nothing to do with that. The trailer for this makes it look like this is some like weird Amish cult sect, whatever that tie into the covens that were conjuring this demon in the other movies. Spoilers for the rest of the series, but in the other movies, as the lore progresses in the movies, you find out, oh, there's this ancient uh, coven of witches and they're trying to conjure this demon and they like basically not sacrifice they offer up one of their children 
there's supposed to be like the firstborn son in this family and it's all girls for like a hundred years in this family and the first male born in this family line is supposed to be like the antichrist type thing basically he's supposed to be the vessel for the demon to come through and destroy the earth and all that sort of shit and that is the big you know through line of the whole thing and the trailer kind of implies that oh her family are gonna be them and she's supposed to be one of the vessels or some shit like that like katie and christy were in the original series nope has nothing to do with any of that bullshit again physical corporeal monster you see it you see it kill people they like it none of it makes any sense as a paranormal activity movie it really feels like whoever made this and yeah it's it's executive produced by Jason Bloom and Oren Pelly the guys who made the original series produced by so basically they put up the money and they get to take the first big paycheck when the money starts rolling in. That's essentially it. Because the director and writers and whoever the fuck made this movie, it's like they didn't know anything about paranormal activity other than found footage horror with some sort of supernatural element. And all the rest, they just fucked off. Because this has nothing to do with anything in the paranormal activity franchise other than creepy shit happens. This it, it, like it, it's it's got a Halloween three season of the witch vibe to it without any of the quality because at least in that case they were trying to turn the whole thing into an anthology. This is bullshit. Just gonna say it. This has nothing to do with paranormal activity and they just slapped the name on it. I have watched some really lame ass indie horror movies on Shutter that have a more coherent plot. And are less cheesy. We've watched some paranormal activity knockoffs that are less cheesy than this. And it's, it's really a shame because this had, this has the potential to be a decent enough supernatural ghost monster movie found footage thing without the paranormal activity name attached to it. But as soon as you put that name on there, there are six previous films in this series with a very deep established lore that they completely ignore and do a wholly original story, essentially. And yeah, great, if it was an anthology series, fine, but it's not. This is a series with an established lore. Literally, all they would have to do is, like I said, and what the trailer implies, is that this girl was adopted or banded, whatever the shit, and her birth family were the coven that were trying to conjure the demon in the other movies. That's all they would have had to do. And they could have fucking done the whole thing and had the demon show up full blast. Kind of like in some of the Annabelle movies where in some of them you see the demon, some it's just kind of a wisp and it's, it's in the background moving shit. They could have done that. They could have shown full-blown corporeal demon if they'd followed the lore in the slightest and remembered that every shot has to be explainable again that that's my biggest problem the two biggest problems are you see a very bad monster the monster looks like shit and that the camera shots don't make sense there's just too damn many shots where 
it's a wide, well-framed shot. Everybody is very neatly placed and every, it's like, it's, it's too clean. It's paranormal activity movie. It's supposed to look dirty. It's too damn clean. And when they're running from shit going sideways at the end of the movie and they keep handing the camera back and forth, like it, it makes no sense. It just makes no sense. You know, there's a point where they're in a car and they're running and they, they put the camera, they drop the camera in the back and it's just perfectly straight and square. So you can see the two of them in the front seat as everything's going on. And it's so perfectly framed to see them. And it's just like, if this was any other paranormal activity movie and for whatever the fuck reason, they were still carrying the camera and they keep passing it back and forth so they can film each other freaking the fuck out. Which is just fucking stupid. And again, then they set the camera down. No, if it was any other paranormal activity movie, what would have ended up happening if they again still had the camera, they'd have thrown the fucking camera on the floor of the car and you would have just heard them screaming or whatever. Maybe you see broken glass coming in or a leg kicking, flying, whatever. You would see it tangentially. You'd, or if they did throw the camera in the back seat and it kind of sees some shit, it'd be fucking upside down. Something realistic where they just threw the camera back there. Not it's very cleanly, squarely placed just in the perfect spot between the seats so that you can see everything nice and clear. It's bullshit. They, whoever made this did not know how to make found footage and didn't, they knew nothing about and had, it's like they'd never seen a paranormal activity movie. It, it just irks me. And the more I talk about it, the more aggravated I get about it. But yeah, that's my review of paranormal activity next of kin if you hadn't figured it out okay i'm not going to tell you don't watch it but don't watch it with any expectations around the paranormal activity franchise if you enjoyed those films personally i like them all it's my type of film i like them we've i think i own all of them actually in some way or shape but we watched this because we enjoyed the entire series failings of some of them and like some of them being weaker than others but still we enjoyed them all this was a piece of shit if i had to give it a number i'd give it a one out of five if i had to give it out of ten it's a one out of ten <laughs> this is a shitty uh, no, i know i'm not gonna give it a one it's a decent enough supernatural monster movie i'll 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 give it a four i'll give it a four out of ten as a supernatural monster movie, as a paranormal activity movie, it's a one. Take the name off. It's a four out of five, four out of 10 because it's still poorly done. And the monster looks like shit as the, you're trying to do a found footage thing. You, you forgot how to, you didn't do found footage, right? Therefore you're not getting a lot of credit. Just, ah, it irks me because I like the film series. That's the problem. I, I, and so I'm more upset by this because of the name and because I enjoyed the rest of the films in the series. And I feel like this besmirches the name of the series. And it's kind of like a lot of people feel about Cloverfield Paradox, how they basically slapped the Cloverfield name onto an existing movie and filmed some extra scenes to tie the series together, which, yeah, it's exactly what they did. 
the movie was God Particle. They made it. It was about a space station shit that happened. And then they filmed a bunch of extra scenes with the husband and with the monster and all this stuff to tie it to the original Cloverfield movie and all of that. Fine. That was still a better execution than this bullshit because at least they tried to drag it in there. They, it was a sloppy way to drag it in there, but they dragged it in there and connected it. They had some throwaway bullshit lines to connect the series together, but at least they did it. This did nothing. This didn't even try to connect it other than found footage, somewhat supernaturally shit going on. Bullshit. Don't watch it. Or watch it, because fuck, people watch a lot of shitty horror movies, and there's a lot more shitty horror movies than good ones. So, you know, it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, view at your own discretion. But that's going to do it for me this week. God, I hope I don't have another hospital visit to talk about next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to all of my bullshit. And remember, you can find the links to this episode and all the bullshit in it at odddadoutpodcast.com along with all of my past episodes and places to subscribe and places to reach out to me, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at odddadout or at the odddadout text voicemail line 516-636-7631. 516-OTOPOD1 I don't think anyone's going to email me but you can call or text that number or you could email me show at odddadoutpodcast.com what the fuck not I'm just going to throw everything out there I don't know so many things so many ways you can reach me I don't know I'm just going to say it but until next week my dear oddballs I am Adam Higgins the Odd Dad out thank you and Good night.